Welcome to this verse-by-verse Bible teaching from Calvary Queen Creek in Arizona with Assistant Pastor Darrell Logan. We hope you're blessed by listening. Romans 10.17 says, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. For more information, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org. Let's go before the Lord once again in prayer, and then we'll get into our study. Father, we are so honored to be here in your presence. We are honored that, Lord, you are our Father. We thank you for your Holy Spirit who indwells us. And we pray for understanding. We pray for fresh insight into your word tonight. We pray that by the help of your Holy Spirit, that you'll equip us and that you'll empower us to do your will. So, Father, we just lift up this night to you. We pray once again you'll be glorified. I pray for the gift of teaching, that I would decrease, you increase, that the people, Lord, will hear from your heart. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. So, tonight we are in Mark chapter 6, and we'll be studying verses 30 through 44. And the title of tonight's message is Compassion. Now, compassion is that human quality or disposition that fuels acts of kindness and it also fuels acts of mercy. So, compassion is a form of love. And compassion is aroused within us when we are faced with those who are suffering and those who are vulnerable. And so compassion is sympathy and concern for the sufferings of others. And sympathy, by the way, is the act or capacity for sharing the painful feelings of other people. In fact, compassion often produces action that alleviates the suffering. And so the thing I want you to note about this word compassion, our topic of compassion tonight, is that it is a response or a revelation of the love that is within our hearts. That compassion is a response or revelation of love from the heart of God. Now, of course, today we can look around this planet. We can look around in our communities. We can look within our own families, and we can see that people are looking for compassion. There's some people who have a hard time paying their bills or paying rent, paying their mortgage, They just can't make those ends meet. And so these people are hoping for someone to have compassion and help them, perhaps the landlord or the bank. They're hoping for some compassion that somebody will have that ignition within their hearts to, to express kindness and mercy to them. And how about when a, when a child falls down 
Of course, many children cry not because they're hurt. Some of them cry because they want mom or dad to have compassion on them. I remember with our firstborn son, you know, we were kind of, I mean, we got married young. We had children young. Speaking of my wife and I, we got married at, at 18 and had our first, we're still married, praise the Lord. She still likes me a little bit. <laughs> and so we had our first son young, and so we were kind of hovering over him for a long time. I wouldn't even let him drink soda. He'd fall. I would, you know, just hover all over him. And then the other children come. They fall. It's like, okay, get up. <laughs> now, I'm not hovering over him. Just, okay, get up. You know, stop faking. You know, but, but a lot of them cry because they want mom or dad, grandma, grandpa to have compassion on them, not because they're hurt. So tonight, as we dig into this lesson, we're going to note the compassion of Jesus. And we're going to gain some great reminders about compassion. First of all, from the aspect of God having compassion upon people. And so as we jump into this study, we're going to start with Mark chapter 6, verse 30. And on the way to the main topic of compassion, we're going to pick up some spiritual nuggets that uh, the Lord put on my heart to share with you tonight. And so in verse 30 of Mark 6, it says, Then the apostles gathered to Jesus. Now remember, they had... They went two by two on a missionary assignment. And so at this time, they gathered to Jesus and they told him all things. It tells us in verse 30. He told them or they told them both what they had done and what they had taught to those people. And Jesus said to them, come aside by yourselves to a deserted or secluded place and rest a while for there were many coming and going and they did not even have time to eat and so they departed to a deserted place a place where there was not supposed to be a lot of people huge crowds and so to get to that place they they went in the boats as it tells us in verse 32 Of course, they were crossing over the Sea of Galilee, which is, if you've been here for the previous study, is really a lake. And so they were heading to that secluded or deserted area by themselves to rest a while. You see, God knows exactly what we need. Of course, he knows that we need to eat, we need to drink, but he also knows that We need to rest. One person said that if you don't come apart and rest, you will come apart. And so it was important for these disciples, these apostles, these sent out ones to come apart by themselves with the Lord, just them and the Lord to rest. They worked hard in the ministry They worked hard in the mission field. The Holy Spirit had done many things through them, and they taught many things. 
And so they needed this rest. And again, Jesus knew that. But the big picture is that one day we're all going to be gathered to Jesus. When our missionary work is over, when our ministry work is over on this side of eternity, oh, one day we're going to be gathered to him and just like these apostles did, we're going to report to him and we're going to take our final rest. We're going to take our eternal rest. And that, of course, will last for I don't know if I should even use the word days upon end because there is no time in eternity. So it'll last an infinite amount of time. That future rest that we all have. So right now, as believers, we have taken our rest in Christ. In other words, we have ceased from trying to do works to earn our salvation and we repented and put our faith in him and we rest in him. And then the works come later. You see that? When it came to the Sabbath day, the literal Sabbath day, they worked first and then they rested. But for the believers, we rest first. We don't work first. We rest first in Christ and then the works Come later as the Holy Spirit works in and through us. And and one day we'll be gathered before our Lord and it'll be reward day for us. So judgment day for the believer is reward day. And some believers will have more rewards than others based on their faithfulness and what God had called us to do. Some will have more, some will have less. But we need to make sure that We do whatever work God called us to do on this side of eternity with faithfulness and with a pure motive. Because there's a scripture in 1 Corinthians that that says some people's works will be burned up, but the person themselves who are saved, they will be saved, yet so as through fire. And so for the believer, when you think judgment day, you think of reward day, not a sentence to hell. In verse 33, it says, but the multitudes, this crowd of people, they saw the disciples and and Jesus departing and many recognized him and they ran there on foot from all the cities where wherever Jesus and the apostles were going, that's where those people ran and they arrived before the disciples and Jesus and they came together to him. In John chapter six, verse two It fills in some more details because it tells us the reason that this multitude, this huge crowd of people were following him. It says they followed him because they saw his signs, which he performed on those who were diseased. Again, that's what it says in John 6, 2. So that's why we want to read uh, from Genesis to Revelation, as Pastor Jim always says. And, And so... The miracle that we are about to read, by the way, just to give you a heads up, that can be found in all of the gospel accounts. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So we're about to read about him feeding the 5,000. You can find it all there. And so this is, the, of course, the preload, the preload to that. But just getting back to that topic of rest just for a second, 
you'll notice that because these people had beat them to their destination, the only rest Jesus and his disciples would get is on the boat ride. These people were so eager to beat Jesus there. They saw the miracles. They saw the healing of the diseases, and they wanted to see that. They wanted to be a part of that. And so the rest that they thought they were going to get, it was a little short. It would only be experienced on that boat ride on the Sea of Galilee. Now, although some of these people were were there for some of the wrong reasons, just perhaps to see a sign or just to see what they can get from Jesus, we can still learn something from these people who ran to meet him. They ran ahead and met him before he arrived. We can still learn something from them. And that something that we can learn from them comes in the form of a question. And that question is, are we running like these people ahead in faith, waiting for the return of Jesus? So like these people beat Jesus to the spot, have we run ahead in faith in order to be ready for his return? In other words, are we ready and in position for Jesus to come for his church in what we call the rapture, when we're snatched out of this world? Are we ready for that moment, or is Jesus still waiting for us? The key is to to go ahead of Jesus in faith so that when he comes, we'll be ready, and we'll meet him in the air. Because in the rapture, he doesn't touch down, but he comes for his church. Yeah, after the tribulation period, where God is pouring his wrath upon this Christ-rejecting world, then we're going to come back with Jesus in what we call the second coming, when he actually touches down. Begin right now, the, the next thing that is on the prophetic calendar is the rapture. And there's nothing, absolutely nothing that needs to take place for the rapture to occur. It can happen at any moment. But seeing that we're still here, it it means that there's still a job for us to do. And so as we're waiting on him, we need to be active. Active in doing what he called us to do. And so I have a scripture for you in Philippians 2.20. It says, for our citizenship is in heaven... From which, that is, from heaven, we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. He's going to come for his bride. He's going to come for his church. It's promised in the scriptures. And so we wait for him. And we wait actively for him. Lord, in our time of waiting for you, what would you have us to do? Who do you want us to witness to? Who would you want us to minister to? That should be our attitude. That should be our question to him as we're waiting for him to return and to snatch up his church so that we meet him in the air. 
and then we will ever be with the Lord and we'll take our eternal rest an infinite rest. There's no number of days you can put on that. In verses 34 and 36, it says, and Jesus, when he came out or when he went ashore, he saw a great multitude waiting and he was moved with compassion for them because they were like sheep and they didn't have a shepherd. So he began to teach them many things. Matthew 14, 14 tells us that he also healed they're sick. And when the day was now far spent, his disciples came to him and said, this is a deserted place, a secluded area. This is not a place where people would live. And already, Jesus, the, the hour is late. Send these people away, tells us in verse 36 that they may go into the surrounding country and villages and buy themselves bread, for they have nothing to eat. Now at this time, it is the time of the Passover, a feast of the Jews. And so it was either March or April. And of course, Passover is uh, that feast they used to celebrate the exodus out of slavery, out of Egypt, from slavery out of Egypt. And so they celebrated that. So right now it's either March or April. And they're in this deserted place. Nobody there. Bunch of dirt, rocks. It's getting late. Bunch of people here. You're getting hungry. Lord, send them home. And so these disciples were looking at this situation according to their own understanding, according to human logic, according to the way things would normally work. And so they gave Jesus what they thought was good advice. And sometimes we get to the point of letting God know or call ourselves letting God know what we think is best for us. Sometimes we get to the point of letting God know of what we think is best for people. Lord, why don't you send them away? Why don't you help them this way? Lord, why don't you do this at such and such a time? Lord, you've taken too long. Why don't you come back right now for your people? And so we begin to put ourselves in a position of advisor to the Lord. Because we're looking at things from uh, human logic, from human understanding. And when we do that, we, we really need to ask the question, or I should pose that question to all of us because I can be in that position as well. And the question that we all need to ask ourselves is, wait a minute, do we remember God's power? Do we remember that he is the almighty God, that he is like none other? There is no other God but him as we are throwing out these so-called logical solutions. Do we remember who God is? We're dealing with the all-powerful God and do we know his plans? Maybe He's not doing something in our timing or not handling a situation in a certain way because maybe he has other plans. And if God has other plans for something or other plans for you, then it's a better plan. 
far better than what we can ever imagine, far better than what we can advise him of. And I like what it says in Isaiah 40, verse 13. It says, who has directed the spirit of the Lord or as his counselor has taught him? Of course, that's a rhetorical question because nobody, no one has directed the spirit of the Lord. Can tell the Holy Spirit what to do. The Holy Spirit is God. You can't tell him what to do. There's no advice that we can give him. Instead, we need to go to him for counsel. We need to go to him for wisdom. And wisdom, by the way, is it's more than just knowledge. Wisdom is knowledge that is applied. Wisdom is skill in living. Skill in living according to the word of God. And so we need to be going to him for wisdom. We don't need to be sharing our human wisdom with him. But he answered and said to them in verse 37, we're still in Mark chapter 6, you give them something to eat. You want to send them away? No, you give them something to eat. In John chapter 6, verse 5 and 6, it says that Jesus said to Philip, one of the disciples, where shall we buy bread that these may eat? So Jesus asked Philip the question in John chapter 6. But Jesus said this, of course, not because he didn't know what he was going to do, but he said this to test Philip, for he himself knew what he would do. And then they said to him, shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give them something to eat? That's a lot of money because the denarius in that day was one day's wage. And so 200 denarii were 200 days worth of work, 200 days wages, a lot of money. So should we get that amount of money and buy all these people something to eat? We don't have that kind of money, first off. In verse 38 in Mark 6, but Jesus said to them, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they found out, they said five. So five loaves and two fish. And then in John chapter 6, it tells us where they got these five loaves and two fish. It's in John 6, verses 8 and 9, it says that one of his disciples, Andrew, who was Simon Peter's brother, has said to Jesus, there's a lad here. There's a, there's a boy here who has five barley loaves and two small fish. But what are they among some, so many? What can we do with, with so little food? Five loaves and two fish? But one thing we pull out of this situation, and even thinking about the previous verse in, in verse 36, because no doubt it is a challenging situation. But what we learn is that sometimes we think that the easiest way for us to deal with challenges and to deal with not just challenges for ourselves, but challenges from other people who share them with us. Sometimes we think that the easiest way to deal with them 
is to send them in another direction. Like the apostles there, Lord, send them away. This is a deserted place. Lord, we don't have 200 denarii to feed all these people. Send them away. We only have five loaves of bread and two fish. Lord, send them away. So sometimes we get to that point where we think that the the only way to deal with challenges in our lives and in other people's lives who share them with us is to send them to someone else or in another direction. But could it be that God allowed us to come in contact with those people at that particular time because he wants to use us as a channel of his love? Maybe he wants to use us as a channel of his blessing to those people. But sometimes we think that the easiest way is to shove them off, push them off on someone else. And sometimes that causes us to miss out on being a blessing to those people. But it also causes us to miss out on the blessing for ourselves. Because many of you who've experienced witnessing to somebody or being a blessing to somebody, however way God used you to be, you understand that you come out of that situation more blessed than the person that you helped. And so we don't want to push off our responsibility or even that opportunity to be a blessing to someone else. Because we're going to miss out. And in verse 39, it says, Then Jesus commanded them to all sit down in groups on the green grass. And so they sat down in ranks, in hundreds and in fifties. And when Jesus had taken the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven, blessed and broke the loaves, and he gave them, or he kept giving them to his disciples to set before the people. And the two fish he divided among them all. And so in verse 42, they all ate and were filled. And in another gospel account, it says that Jesus has said to his disciples after they had eaten and they were filled. It it says that Jesus told them to gather up the fragments that remain so that nothing is lost. You see, God is not a wasteful God. And they took up 12 baskets full of fragments and of the fish. And in Mark 6, 44, now those who had eaten the loaves were about 5,000 men. And if you read all of the gospel accounts together, you'll learn that this was not counting the women and children. So in this miracle of feeding the 5,000 men, which could have been at least 10,000, possibly more, possibly 15. You know, if every man had a wife and at least one child, that's a possibility. But at least there were 10,000 people here with the women and children included. And so what we see in this miracle are some lessons, some reminders about the God that we serve about the Savior that we serve. And the first thing that we learn from this miracle of feeding the 5,000 men is that, number one, the Lord is the provider. As you see in this lesson here, I believe it's in verse 41, it says that Jesus is the one that, that gave them, he gave 
the portion of the food to the disciples. And so we see that the, the, the first lesson we can learn is that the Lord is provider. And for many of us, that has to be a reminder because many of us find ourselves in need. There's some people who've been laid off, some people fired, some people been looking for a job before the COVID-19 season. And so they're in need at this point. And so somebody tonight needs to remember that the Lord is the provider. And so that's one thing we can extract or pull out of this miracle of feeding these 5,000 men. Another lesson we can pull out from this miracle is that what, what is a limit for man is not a limit for God. The things that are a limit for man is not a limit for God. You see, they were limited. They were limited by the amount of food that they had. Five barley loaves and two fish, they were limited. But with God, there is no limit. We may run out of resources, but God will not run out of resources. Sometimes we think, well, well, God, if you continue to bless all these other people, there's no blessings left for me. The scriptures tell us that God will provide all of our needs according to his riches in glory. And his riches are unlimited. I go back to that word I used earlier when I talked about rest. It is infinite. There's no number you can put on his riches. There is no number you can put on the resources God has. He is provider. We may be limited, but God will never be limited. You see, those things that are just okay with us. You see, the five barley loaves and the two fish, that was just okay. But with God, the okay things for us, the okay things in our hands are extraordinary in the hands of God. The things in our hands that are limited, if we hand them over to Jesus's hands, all of a sudden they become multiplied. And so those skills that we have acquired over life, over life in those classes, those courses that we have joined, that we've been a part of, those skills in the hand of God are extraordinary. Oh, they may be okay just in our hands, but they're awesome in the hands of God. Those talents that we may have may be okay in our hands, but those talents, if we put them in the hands of Jesus, if we put them in the hands of God, those talents become extraordinary. There's many people who has the, have the talent of singing, and they're singing some things that are not biblical, biblical and just crazy, that are just flat out sinful, but they have beautiful voices. But if they will use that talent, if they will use that okay talent that's okay in their hands and, and they will hand it over to God and allow God to, to touch it and to use it for his glory, then that okay thing, that okay talent, all of a sudden becomes extraordinary and it begins to bless people. Just like this, this food here, these five loaves and two fish, okay for one lad. And maybe somebody else, if he shares. 
But oh my goodness, in Jesus' hands, as he began to hand it out, he, he didn't just give it out once. It, he kept on giving to his disciples until everybody was fed, until everybody was filled. So my encouragement to you is if you have any finances or time or skills or talents, whatever it may be, you may want to use it for God's glory, but you're thinking, oh, I don't have enough. Oh, I didn't go to school as long as that other person did. Oh, I don't have as many certificates as this other individual. So some of you may be thinking that. Or maybe I don't have the ripped body like that bodybuilder does. And you think you're limited. God, I'm not. I'm not built like an athlete, so I can't walk a long distance to, from this city to that city to witness. But oh, if you would hand those things over to God and watch him work, you'll be surprised. You'll be amazed. You'll see, as I mentioned early on before the teaching, that, that, our weak, our, that God's strength is made perfect in our weakness. You'll come to understand that and see that for yourselves. But there's something else that we want to share with you that, that we can pull out of this miracle of feeding these 5,000 men. And that is whatever the Lord gives you to give out, then give it out. You now we spend our time in the word and, and I was doing this when I first came to to Calvary Chapel of Queen Creek. This sanctuary was probably half this size. It's about half this size. And, you know, I've come from, you know, California. The, the church I was ministering at was in Compton. I was a youth pastor there. And at that time, it was mostly children and teens. It wasn't that much help with the, you know, from the adults. They helped out every now and then. And so by the time I came here, I remember walking through the door and I sat down and I was like, I'm at home. That was in 2008. And I still have the bulletin from January 2008. <laughs> I still have that. And I still have some of Pastor Jim's notes on, on some of those bulletins. So, and I still have it. But I remember doing that. And I remember when it came time to, to serve, God was telling me, he was saying, get back to work. And by the time he was saying, get back to work, now the sanctuary is, is this side, the size that it is now. And the Lord is speaking to my heart, get back to work. And I'm just getting fat off the word. I'm just loving the word of God, just getting fat off the word of God. Probably fat literally too, but fat off the word of God. I was just being greedy. Off the word, I was just enjoying myself. He's get back to work. And I look around, I'm like, where? I remember saying that to the Lord. Because when you first come here, maybe you guys seen this, some of you who are new or visiting. If you look around, it looks like a well-oiled machine. It looks like, oh, hey, oh, they got it covered. No, they don't need help anywhere. So that, that's what I was thinking. I was like, where? And so I told, he told me where, but I was trying to ignore him. I was like, Where? <laughs> 
But I say all that to get back to this point that whatever the Lord gives you to give out, give it out. You see, I was getting fat off the word of God, but now it was time for me to find that outlet and to use it and to share the word of God that he was given to me to give out. Just like he gave those apostles, these followers of his, that, that bread and that fish, put it in their hands. Now you give it to the people. And, and so it's a privilege to serve the Lord. It's, the, it's a privilege to serve you in the name of Jesus and, and breaking the bread of the word of God with you. And so I try to give you and Pastor Jim and Pastor Al and Joseph and Tony, whoever shares the word of God, all these Sunday school teachers and whether it's an adult Sunday school class, children's Sunday school class, uniquely special ministry, junior high, high school, we all try to take what the Lord has given to us and share that with other people. And that should be a goal of ours and not be like how I used to be, just getting fat off the word of God and it's not going anywhere else. And so that's the third thing I've learned or that I wanted to point out from this feeding of this 5,000 men. But if you will, direct your attention Direct your attention back to what prompted this whole section of this miracle. Because if you remember, the the people look like helpless sheep. They look like they needed some direction. They look like they needed some help. They look lost. They look hopeless. And these people's condition caused Jesus to be moved, the scriptures tell us, with compassion and to act. Oh, he felt for them, moved with compassion, and it moved him to to teach them, to to heal the sick, to to feed these people. So maybe somebody tonight needed to be reminded of that fact, that, that God is compassionate. And we see that through the life of Jesus. We see that in Jesus in this situation as he saw these people waiting for him. Didn't get frustrated with them because his rest was cut short. No, he was moved with compassion because they looked lost. They needed some help. They needed a shepherd, the good shepherd, Jesus Christ. And guess what? There are many people today who are in a bad condition, just like those people were who were standing on the shore. Many people today are in a bad condition to whom God has also shown his Compassion. For God has shown his compassion to the sinner, to all of us, those of us who were lost. You see, God had enough compassion to intervene by sending Jesus to rescue us. In other words, God the Father sent Jesus on a rescue mission because we were lost. And in Luke 19, 10, it says that the son of man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. He came on a rescue mission all because the father was compassionate upon his creation. Those who were made in his image. He came to seek and save those who were lost. All of us separated from God because of our sin. On our way to hell, we were lost. But praise God, we are now found, those of us who put our faith in him. 
You see, we haven't found God. God found us. We were the ones lost. God didn't move. We moved. And so praise God for the rescue mission through Jesus Christ. But also, our God is compassionate enough to look out for both the spiritual and the physical needs of his sheep, of the believers. He's compassionate enough to look out for our well-being. So maybe there's somebody who's lost in their situation. You're knee-deep. Maybe you're way underwater. Maybe you're drowning in your situation and you're lost in that situation. You can't find a way out. You seem like you're in quicksand. You're at that point where you need direction just like these people did in today's lesson. Maybe you're at that point where you feel helpless. Oh, be reminded, brothers and sisters, that we serve a compassionate God, and the scriptures tell us so. In Psalm 103, verses 13 and 14, it says, As a father pities or has compassion for his children, so the Lord pities those who fear him. For God knows our frame. He knows who we're made of. Why? Because he made us. And he remembers that we are dust. And so he knows that we can't save ourselves. He knows that you can't dig yourself out of the situation that you're in that feels like quicksand. He knows how long you've been praying about a resolution to that problem. He knows the struggles you're having personally when you leave this place but never his presence and when your room door is closed or when you're in the car by yourself driving and the tears are streaming down your face and you're just stuck. Oh, he knows that. He is a compassionate Father, he knows what we're made of. Compassionate God. But the question tonight is, do we have that same compassion that God has for people? For our fellow human being? Do we have that same compassion that God has for his creation? See, compassion is not agreeing with the faults or the sins of people. Because there's some people, if you're honest, they're probably not high on your list and you're probably struggling about that. Oh, God, I don't really like that person. I'll tell you what, I'm going to give you, a, give you a, a, a way to overcome that. Pray for that person. You'll find that it's hard to not like or hate who you're praying for. And so having compassion on somebody, it's not that you have to agree with their faults. It's not that you have to agree with their sins, especially as we see this crazy stuff that people are doing out on television, on the Internet, all this stuff on the streets. But compassion is about seeing the need and the struggles of people and and then sharing their concern for their suffering. And then, of course, being willing to do something about it. That's compassion. So how are we doing with showing compassion when our rest is interrupted or when our schedule, our agenda is interrupted? How are we doing with showing compassion when we get that phone call that someone needs help, that someone needs prayer? When we're on our way to the store, we we got some dinner on our minds. We want to get in and out of the store because we're tired of wearing that mask and we're about to faint on the way to the store. 
And so somebody needs help and we walk right past them, even though God is putting it on our heart to help that person. Oh, when people interrupt our schedule or maybe they interrupt our rest because Jesus is in, and the disciples rest was interrupted. But oh, Jesus showed compassion. So how are we doing with that? How are we doing with showing compassion when you know people may not have the right motives? Because Jesus knew that some people weren't there because they wanted him. Some people were there because they wanted to see what he could do. They wanted stuff from him, but yet and still he showed compassion. So how are we doing in that area when we know that people don't mean us any good? Are we still showing compassion to those people we know don't like us when we see them in need, when they're crying out for help? Do we show it to people who are hard to get along with, people who have different political views or spiritual views, people who maybe bullied us when we were younger, people who maybe were our rivals when we were younger? How are we doing with compassion with people we don't necessarily agree with? So the exhortation today that I want all of us to leave here with is to not miss those opportunities to show compassion. Don't miss those opportunities to show compassion when the Lord puts them right before us. Why is that? Because number one, God has shown compassion to us. If God has been so compassionate to us, let's pass that compassion right along. Remember what I talked about earlier, what God has given to us, we want to share. Just like what you saw in that miracle of feeding the 5,000, God, Jesus gave them the food, the, the bread and the fish to disperse. Now share the example of the Bible teacher's receiving the word of God from him and then dispersing it. But it's the same thing with compassion. That's why we shouldn't miss opportunities or try not to miss opportunities to show compassion because God gave it to us, so why not disperse it? But also remember this, and this is a lesson that I've had to learn because I remember being you know, in the books a lot and be on college campus. I went to Cal State Northridge and I remember having those opportunities with, with unbelievers on the campus. And I remember arguing with them, going back and forth and so forth. And so I was more concerned with winning the argument at that point when I was younger than winning the soul. But here's the thing. Most people don't want to hear your theology unless they see your concern. Most people don't want to hear about your Bible or about the Jesus that you serve unless they can see that you care. Or they don't want to hear that Jesus is the only way, the truth, and the life. They're not going to, a lot of people are not going to listen to, the, to you unless they see that you truly have love and compassion for them. My prayer is that, that we would grow in this area. And of course, growing in that area will be more Christ-like. So let's go before the Lord in prayer. And Father, we thank you for tonight. We thank you for your compassion that you have shown to all of us. 
Help us to not be stingy with compassion. For compassion comes out of a heart of love. It's a revelation of your love. So help us, Lord, to have that uh, perfect mixture of theology, the perfect mixture of truth and love or compassion. People need it today. Father, I pray that you would equip us, fill us with your Holy Spirit. Empower us for the work you'll have us to do throughout the remainder of this day and throughout the remainder of this week. And Father, we even want to be bold in our prayer requests even right now that this week, Father, you would send each and every person in this room and each and every believer who's watching online that you would send us or allow us to cross paths with at least one person that you want us to share your compassion with. Are we asking you for that opportunity to put your word into action? We love you, Lord. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So thank you all for coming out. Thank you for joining us online. So again, thank you for coming out. Please keep each other in prayer. God bless you. Thank you for listening to this teaching from God's Word. If you have any questions, would like to request prayer, or want more information about our church and how you can experience the love and hope of Jesus Christ in your life, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org.